Hi, my name is Terry Cohen, and welcome to the Finding Drishti podcast. Today's recording is from the first week of the Heart of Yoga workshop series held at Austin Bouldering Project in July of 2018. And this one covers the first three yamas, which is the first limb of the eight-limb path. This practice includes seated meditation and pranayama. And you'll likely want something comfortable to sit on if you have access to a bolster or a block or a blanket. Those are always nice. But just make sure that you're in a comfortable place as you listen to this recording. We'll be moving through a few different things today. This is not a flow class by any means. Um, so we'll be talking about some uh, different breathing techniques, meditation techniques. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the, the different um, yamas and niyamas. Hi, come on in. Yeah, and we've got plenty of space in the middle. Don't be, don't be scared to take some middle space. Grab a mat. Are you set up somewhere? All right, cool. And then uh, after you set up your mat, you'll go back outside and you'll grab some props, and they're on the board of what you need. One bolster, one blanket, two blocks. Okay. Um, where was I? Breathing techniques, meditation, very gentle asana practice today. So we, we will not be sweating. If you want to stay for the 12 o'clock class, we'll sweat then. Uh, and then we'll do some discussion and some dialogue. Okay. So who here is new to yoga philosophy, don't know much about yoga sutras, any part of that? Excellent. Excellent. Good. Okay. So Patanjali is a sage from, I want to say, when I did my research, like 11th century, something like that. And so he, he organized the Yoga Sutras, and this is basically the text that explains the theory and the practice of yoga. And so the first Yoga Sutra that you need to really take in is Yoga Chitta Vritti Naroda. And I'll have to look that up on how to spell that. There's a lot of T's in there. I think two T's and there's some missing vowels. But what Yoga Chitta Vritti Naroda means is yoga is the cessation, so the stopping of the ick in your mind. Vritti is like, like the chatter, the chaos, the, the stuff that kind of bubbles up that takes you away from being present. And so when we're using this practice, it's, it's not the asana part that is the main focus, right? The original yoga was not about like being Jennifer Aniston or, you know, like getting long and mean and pretzely. That's later on in the practice. So within the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali lines up eight different limbs. The third limb is asana. The fourth limb is getting into pranayama, which is breath work. And then from there, it's more the meditation parts of it. So focus, you know, single-minded concentration coming into that like blissful state that you hear about. But the first two limbs are what we're going to be covering in this workshop series. The first two limbs are your yamas and your niyamas. Yamas are restraints, things that you should try not to do. Niyamas are things, are observances, things that you should try to do. Okay, so if you think of them more in simpler terms, um, these are kind of the guidelines of like how we should live in our yogic way so that we can start to get into that space of your breath work and your meditation, getting into that more blissful state. So in this workshop, we're going to do, there's five yamas and five niyamas. We're going to cover like two to three each week. And I'm recording these sessions as well. I've got weird stuff 
poking through my shirt. I'm going to record these sessions so that if you can't make it next week or you're missing one of the weeks, I'm going to try to post these online uh, through my website so that you can come back and at least hear them. Um, or if there's something good today that you didn't jot down and you want to go back to remember, we'll have kind of a, an audio recording of that. So for today, we're going to be covering the first three yamas. And uh, we'll go more in depth into these. But ahimsa, which is nonviolence. Uh, satya, which is truthfulness, non-lying. And the third one is asteya, non-stealing. And some of these seem really obvious on the surface. And then we'll kind of get into the nuances and different interpretations of them. But I thought for today, to begin, we're going to start with some breathing practices. So what I recommend, we're going to do the first, I want to say, 10 or so minutes of, of our session seated. So get yourself comfortable, right? We got blankets nearby. So if you need a little bit of cushion under your seat or under your knees, I like to have a bolster under my seat. Um, if you need a little bit higher, you can always put yourself on a block. So just make sure that you're comfortable. If you tend to have like your feet fall asleep when you're seated cross-legged for too long, this is also seated meditation, right? You could prop one leg up. If you prefer a kneeling posture, this is also seated. So you can set yourself up in any way that you need to or want to. You are not bound by what I am doing or what your neighbor is doing or what you think it needs to look like. Get comfortable, right? And it's hard to be in seated meditation if the whole time you're struggling because your toes are getting that tingly feeling and your leg is falling asleep. All right. Okay, so we're just going to close the eyes for now. Roll your shoulders back and behind. And start to take a nice, slow, steady rhythm to your breath. And this doesn't have to be ujjayi where the person next to you can hear you, but just a really simple, easy breath in through the nose. Really soft and easy exhale out the nose. And just observe here. Just observe how your breath is moving through the body. Observe what physical sensations you're experiencing in the body, whether that's whatever's under your seat, how your hands are feeling against your legs, the expansion of your lungs, the softening of your eyelids and even your eyeballs. Notice the temperature of the air on your skin. Notice how your clothes feel against your skin. And as you come into each of your exhales, feel a rooting sensation, something that's holding you, pulling you to the ground. And if you notice that your mind wants to wander, that's the vritti, right? the chatter, the chaos, the ik, whatever you want to define it as. If you notice that vritti start to come into play, come back into the breath, just observing. Not judging, not analyzing, not perfecting. We'll take about five more breaths here. Nice and slow, in through your nose, out the nose.
and we'll flutter the eyes open. Okay. All right. So this in itself, just the seated posture, feeling something into the ground, this is grounding. And the idea of grounding is that we tend to let our minds pull us away. And so just this noticing of the physical sensations of whatever is seated, what is what pulling you to the floor, is gonna keep you from feeling that like flutter of your nerves or your energy levels or whatever that normally pulls you away and kind of leaves you floating off into space and then you realize, I don't know where I am. You know, you have those moments where you, you aren't quite sure what's going on. So this right here, just taking a simple seat, noticing your breath. This right here is just getting grounded, getting our kind of level set. All right, so we're gonna practice Nadi Shodhana and this is alternate nostril breathing. And so the idea of this is that uh, we tend to have a dominant nostril for about 30 minutes at a time, and then your body switches to the other side. In the case of allergies, sometimes one side is your dominant one for, for a very long time, right? Like you notice you're sleeping, everything drains to one side, you're only breathing through one nostril, so we wanna like switch it <laughs> to make sure the other side is breathing as well. So that breath, is prana, prana is energy in your body. So the idea of controlling your breath is controlling the energy that's flowing through your body. So I'll show you kind of the pattern that we'll go through and then we'll all go through it together. So with your hands, I always start with my right hand, you're gonna use your thumb and your fourth and fifth finger. So your second and third are coming down, it's like a weird hook em. Uh, so your thumb is gonna hold on to one nostril and the idea is you're gonna breathe in through one nostril and you're gonna close it off at the top for a moment Release, exhale out the other nostril. And then you're gonna inhale through that nostril, close it off, exhale out the other. Okay, let's give it a try. So get your hands in place, second and third finger down, you're using your thumb and your fourth and fifth finger. So start with your right thumb on your right nostril, you're gonna inhale through the left. Close it off, exhale out the right. Slow, easy exhale. Good, inhale through the right. Close it off at the top, exhale out the left. Inhale through the left. Close it off at the top, exhale out the right. Good, so feel free to close your eyes. And we'll just keep with this pattern. So you're gonna feel like a full exhale when you get all the way to the bottom, all the air is coming out. When you're taking that inhale, fill all the way to the top before you close it off, and then gentle exhale. We'll take four more rounds of breath.
And when you've finished your fourth round, we'll just rest the hands, keep the eyes closed, and just start to take a normal breath through both nostrils. and flutter the eyes open. How did that feel? You feeling a little more balanced? Are you noticing one side that was dominant maybe before, maybe balanced out with both? It's a little harder with allergies. I actually find that people who do the alternate nostril breathing when they're dealing with allergies, it actually helps to open up the other side. So again, this is just to balance out breath and energy in the body keep you grounded as well. And so if you're ever having a day where you feel like you're, maybe you've forgotten to breathe, right? You're having a stressful day and you realize you're holding your breath a lot. And then when you finally exhale, it's like, ah, oh, like it all comes out. Using this alternate nostril breathing will just help bring it back into balance so that one side isn't the dominant side, that you're getting equal breath on both sides. Okay. All right. Uncross your legs, shake them out. We're going to be doing a lot of sitting today for, for parts of it. And then we'll, we'll get some, a little bit more movement. So uh, what I want you to try, whatever way that you were sitting last time, try something different. So if you were cross-legged last time, maybe try a one-legged kind of prop, or you could grab a block or use your bolster. You could come into a kneeling kind of position, maybe sitting on the block. Just try something different. So we're going to take this into some seated meditation. So again, don't feel stuck if you start to feel like whatever position you're in right now, if your foot is falling asleep, I don't want you to suffer the whole time just waiting for meditation to end, okay? If something's not feeling right, switch it up, right? You don't have to be perfectly silent, right? We can switch things up. We are human, okay? So we're going to be doing meta-meditation. And so the idea of metta meditation is that you're cultivating loving kindness, uh, and this will counter ill will. So it's, it's more mantra-based. Basically, you're thinking about a certain uh, line that you might repeat in your, in your head as we sit quietly and breathe. Uh, so for loving kindness, the idea behind this, and I'll give you kind of an example. Um, we had somebody do us wrong in our family. Somebody was trying to cheat my family of money. It was like some business thing that I wasn't a part of. But my initial reaction was like, let's get them, right? Let's sue them, right? Let's, argh. I was like, oh man, I want them to go down, right? Because that's a natural human reaction. We feel anger when we feel wronged. And my mom, who is like a sage in her own, I've never seen her really show anger ever. And we have tried her, there's five of us. She was like, he's going through something. We don't know what he's going through. He's going through something, and this is why he can't pay us back for whatever amount it was. And she's like, we shouldn't wish him ill will. Because what good will that do, right? If he gets hurt or, something, or whatever he's going through gets worse, then he definitely can't pay us back. 
And that little flip of perspective was like, oh man, mom, you're a better person than me. Because <laughs> I was like, this is wrong, this is terrible, right? And like, you feel anger when you feel that something isn't going right. And she was like, we need to wish him loving kindness. She said this in Chinese and Taiwanese, so I don't really know the words for that, but it, it's the same idea, right? So when I came across this style of meditation, I was like, oh, this is why my mom is so calm all the time, right? That she doesn't get angry the way that my natural constitution wants to be. And just that flip of idea of we need to wish him well, that we cannot be taking our anger and just throwing it at them and, and wishing like voodoo type stuff, right? Like where you're like, oh, I'm gonna stick needles in a doll and I like want him to, to like burn, right? Instead, just this flip of the mind going, okay, all right, you're right, you're right. If whatever he's going through gets worse, we don't benefit from it. You might feel good for like two seconds where you're like, yeah, well, served him right. But then you don't feel better after that. It's a temporary thing. So for having lasting loving, kindness, happiness, health, whatever it is, we need to change our perspective. So metta meditation is one of mantra where we can repeat, may I be healthy, may I be happy, may I find peace. And then after you take care of yourself, you might think about a loved one. May he or she be happy. May he or she be healthy. May he or she find peace. And then you think about somebody who's just kind of neutral in your life, maybe acquaintance, maybe a coworker, somebody that you might not know very well. And you wish for them happy, healthy, find peace. And then you think about the people who've done you wrong, that you don't like. And again, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you find peace, okay? So we're gonna go through this four times and we'll put our focus on a different person each time. First round will be for us. So get yourself comfortable however you wanna sit. Hands can be wherever you want them. So you can have a palm up. If, if it helps you to have uh, take a, a mudra, you could take thumb and index finger together. Other three fingers are kind of just light. Uh, what we just don't want is clenching, right? Then it's not helpful. So find something that works for you. And you close your eyes. And start to follow your breath in through your nose. Out through the nose, get yourself grounded first, right? So going through those physical sensations in the body, whatever's touching the ground, temperature of the air, noticing the quality of your breath. And then start to bring those mantras into play toward yourself. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I find peace. We'll go for a couple minutes here.
and gently flutter the eyes back open. All right. Let's switch up how you're sitting. Just give something different a try. So what I love about this practice is that it's asking you to go inward. This is what a, yo a lot of yoga philosophy is, is asking you to go inward to seek peace, right? So it's not looking at external things. So I want to share a quote from, uh, and this book is called Meditations from the Mat, and I'll, I'll share this guys uh, with you. There's some really great stuff in here. So it says, our restlessness and our desire for more are actually useful indicators of our need for change. What we need is not to dig a new well, but to dig even more deeply the well we are already in. The means for digging deeper are the yamas and niyamas. Right? So we have everything within us already, and we don't need to seek outside stuff. Maybe we just need a little bit of guidance. But this is really where the, the heart of all of this is coming from, is that you can go deeper into what is already available to you, tap into it. It might be uncomfortable at times, right? If you sit for a little longer, your mind will take you to some very weird places. The vritti, the vritti will get real. <laughs> Uh, but it's learning to sit within that and process it. Okay, So we're going to go a second round. This time think about somebody that you love, somebody who needs a little bit more love in your life maybe. And we'll close the eyes. You can set up your hands any way that you need. Relax your shoulders. Again, find your breath. And we'll start our mantra of may you be happy. May you be healthy. May you find peace.
gently flutter the eyes open. All right, which one was easier? Giving yourself loving kindness or thinking about somebody else? It's hard to give yourself loving kindness, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting when you start to put your focus on different people, you realize where it's lacking the most. And I know you're a mother too. So for, for me, it's so much easier for me to do that for my kids and for my husband. And then I'm always the last one. So maybe for us, our metta meditation needs to be a little bit more self-focused. <laughs> yeah. All right. Change up how you're sitting. So if you were kneeling and you find that your feet are starting to get a little numb, maybe try taking it up, taking it up a little higher. So they actually make like uh, meditation stools that give you just a little bit more space. Maybe give that a try. Get yourself comfy, as comfy as you can. Hands wherever you need them. Roll your shoulders back and behind. Close your eyes. All right. This is going to be like a neutral person, just somebody in your life. that maybe they, they seem like they need a little bit of loving kindness directed toward them. We'll start our mantra. May they be happy. May they be healthy. May they find peace. Gently flutter the eyes open. So part of this practice isn't that uh, that we let people walk over us. 
Right. And I think sometimes there's this misconception that like, oh, we're supposed to be yogis. We're supposed to be like so calm and like nothing bothers us. We're human though. Things bother us. <laughs> it's how you react to when you're bothered by something, right? When things start to enter your life that are causing anxiety and frustration and anger, how you take those reactions and bring them to a place where they maybe aren't coming so much from anger, right? Coming up from a place where you want to be vindictive, right? That you want to just like stick it to somebody, right? And so I find that for metta meditation, it just helps me change how I look at somebody else where I might have normally wanted to wish them the worst <laughs> and instead wish them okayness. Right? I'm not wishing them fortunes, right? I'm not wishing them that they win the lottery and I get nothing. But I'm wishing them so that they are in a place where they can also come from where I'm coming from, right? That they are in a place of okayness, happiness, fine, they can have some happiness, right? So it's not a taking things and saying, walk all over me, I'm a yogi, you can do whatever you want, that I won't react to this at all. That's not what we're talking about here. It's talking about how can we change things so that when we start to enter back into the arena, that we're not coming from a place of like crazy, that I'm gonna like, right? All right, change up how you're sitting. Last round. Let's see how this last round goes, because you're going to keep somebody in mind that's done something not so nice to you, where you might have normally thought, I'm going to hit them with all the anger, right? We're going to offer them some loving kindness. So draw your shoulders back and behind, close your eyes, start to find your breath. May they be happy. May they be healthy. May they find peace. Start to flutter the eyes open. Is that one harder? 
We can be honest. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It's hard thinking about somebody who you would have normally wanted to wish the worst for and then to wish them health and happiness and peace. But this is, this is why we do this, this practice. And you can do it, you don't have to do it in a seated meditation kind of state. You could do this while you're in your car. Somebody just cut you off. I'm going to wish you healthy, happy, peace. <laughs> right. So it can come in any time, any place. And that's kind of the beauty of meditation. Is that doesn't, it doesn't have to happen in a specified way or space or time or situation. That you can do this any time that somebody pops into your mind. You can throw some mantra at them. Right? Just breathe for a few minutes or maybe even just 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Right? The amount of time doesn't matter. It's the idea that you are thinking of one thing and you are using your breath in such a way. Okay. Let's clear your mats. We're going to move a little bit and then we'll, we'll do a little bit more discussion and then we'll bring you back down toward the end. So move props off of your mats and we're going to start in a child's pose. So child's pose is just, you can take knees wide or keep knees together, but sink your hips all the way back to the heels. Forehead to the floor. Arms are either forward our arms are back behind. And if you want that bolster underneath you as like a little snuggle pillow, you're welcome to use that as well. But allow your shoulders to soften. Let your head connect into something. Let your hips get really, really heavy. Take a few breaths here, in through the nose, fill your lungs. Exhale, soften into the floor. More breaths in. Two more deep breaths here. And we'll slowly come up onto hands and knees. If you've got those bolsters in the way, you'll want to move them out of the way. And we'll just take a few rounds of cat-cow. So on your inhale, you're going to drop the belly down, open across the chest, lift the chin. Your exhale, you're going to tip the tailbone down, round into the back one vertebrae at a time, head drops. And you keep the eyes closed if you want, if that helps you stay more in your body. And as you move between your inhales and exhales, and if you notice you need a little bit more movement through maybe the side of the ribs or into the hips, feel free to take those extra movements. Maybe you shake your head no, nod your head yes. We'll just work a few rounds of cat-cow here any way that you need them. You might feel little pops and cracks in the body. And see if you can find as much space between each of your vertebrae as you can. So really exaggerate that opening across the chest. Really exaggerate the rounding of the upper back as you come through. One more gentle inhale as you open through the front body. 
One more exhale as you round in, drop the head. And then come back to a neutral spine. And keep your left hand where it is. Inhale, your right arm open. Exhale, we're going to take this right hand, slide it underneath your left armpit, come all the way to your right ear and your shoulder. And then you've got a few options from here. Your left hand can stretch long if you need more of a side stretch going on. If your shoulder feels tight and you want a little bit more of an opening there, you can wrap your left hand behind the low back. Allow for your ear and your shoulder to fully rest into the floor. Breathe into that space between your right shoulder blade and the spine. And take two deep breaths here. One more inhale. Okay, bring that left hand back under your shoulder. Press into the ground. Inhale your right arm back up. Exhale, release your right hand down. Let's go to the other side. Inhale, left arm open. Exhale, slide it all the way through. You'll come to your left ear and your shoulder, and then find a good option for this right arm. You could reach it long, you could wrap it behind, you could keep it underneath that shoulder for support. Breathe into the back body. Feel the lungs expand all the way between your shoulder blades into the sides of your ribs. Two deep breaths here. Bring your right hand back under the shoulder for support. Press into the ground. Inhale your left arm up. Exhale, release your left hand down. Okay, we're going to take a downward facing dog. Take it softly so you can just keep the knees bent. Just push the hips back. Maybe shake your head no here. Maybe pedal out the feet. Find some movement that feels good. We've been sitting for a little while now. And this right foot, when you're ready, we're going to step it to the outside of your right hand. And then we'll bring your left knee down. And you can decide from here where you need to go. So if you need a little bit more stretch in this right hip, you might come lower. You could bring a block under some forearms, or you can come all the way down to the floor. You could put a block under your head or use fists. If your knee is sensitive, feel free to use that blanket under the knee. We're just going to breathe into this right hip. Just let it do some work here. Relax the jaw, relax the face. Take three slow breaths in. If you're on your forearms, you're going to come back onto your hands. Let's pick up this back knee and step your right foot back into downward facing dog. Take a breath or two here and then we'll set up on the other side. Left foot to the outside of your left hand. You'll bring this right knee down. You decide where you need to go. If you want to use blocks, come down onto the forearms or use your fists. 
move from a place of loving kindness, right? So we have a tendency when we come into stretches, we're like, I'm going to stretch the crap out of my body. <laughs> that doesn't do you any good. Usually it causes injury. So move to where you feel sensation, enough to know that, ooh, yep, it's working. It's right there. Not so much that you're hurting yourself and not so little that you can make a shopping list or think about the movie that you want to see later or start to wander off. So you want to just stay present in whatever you're doing and whatever it looks like. Take three slow breaths here. So if you're on your forearms, come back onto your hands for support. We'll pick up your back knee and we'll send this left foot back and behind, downward facing dog. Take any final little movements that you need here. And then we'll bring the knees down, and you're going to get comfortable again. Okay. All right. Um, and if anybody was interested in jotting anything down, I have some cards and some pens up on this uh, little cabinet here. So we're going to start talking about our three yamas, and you're going to start to see how they're all interconnected in everything that we've already been talking about. So our first one is ahimsa, ahimsa being nonviolence. So on the surface, right, don't kill anybody. <laughs> uh, don't hit anybody, right? Like all the things that you learned as a child of what not to do when you normally want to just have a tantrum, right? And I will tell you as, a, as an adult, I've had plenty of tantrums now that I have kids and I realize that I'm acting like a three-year-old and I want to stamp the ground and I want to say, I'm going to take your toys away and you know, react with anger. So Ahimsa also has some nice nuances and that we're not only addressing the physical actions of what we're doing, right? It's also talking about nonviolence in speech and nonviolence in thought, right? So we, I'm sure we've all experienced those moments of, I'm going to think hateful things, wish you the worst, right? So you can already see how this metta meditation goes really nicely with working with ahimsa of nonviolence. Um, so I'm going to read a, a little passage here. Lightness has a call that's hard to hear, but each time we choose to hear it, the call becomes a little clearer. We spend our days badgered by voices that tell us to judge others, fear others, harm others, or harm ourselves. But we are not obligated to listen to those voices or even to take responsibility for them. They may be where we come from, but they are not where we are going. There is another voice, a voice that shines. Ahimsa is the practice of listening to that voice of lightness cultivating that voice, trusting that voice, and acting upon that voice. So you can see how ahimsa is also not just geared toward other people, right? That's, that's on the surface again. Somebody angers you, you want to react in violence and anger. A lot of times ahimsa is also to ourselves, right? Uh, when you are taking care of other people and you forget about yourself, or you beat yourself up, right, about whatever it is. I know right now, like, social media is such a thing that you're like, oh, everybody's got this perfect life on Instagram. I'm such a terrible mother. I'm not doing Pinterest crafts with my kids. And you, you take these things that are external and you, that's the vritti, right? This is, this is part of the vritti, is the stuff that starts to flood your mind and that says, oh, man, you're such a terrible person. You're doing these horrible things. You're not, you're not living up to a standard. And Ahimsa goes, you don't have to be violent toward yourself either. 
right? We can do this. We can, we can come from a place of loving kindness that you can change how you think. You can change how you speak, not only to other people, to, but to ourselves. So how can we be nonviolent, not only to other people, but also to ourselves, right? That's a thing that you can always act, ask yourself whenever these types of things start to bubble up, like, ah, oh, man, my initial reaction is this. And I, I'm beating myself about it, and I feel terrible, and I feel guilty. How can you turn it around? How can you make it to a place where you go, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. I can change my, my speaking. I can change my actions. I can change my thoughts. And this goes all the way around. So even that metta meditation where we focus on four separate times, right? Ourselves, someone that we love, someone that's just there in our lives, somebody that has, who's wronged us, who's angered us. So taking those moments that bubble up in your life and being able to flip that around, that's powerful. That's most of what we have to deal with, right? If you think about all the times that you felt frustrated and go, man, I could really use some yoga right now. That's probably Ahimsa going, hey, remember this? Nonviolence, nonviolence. We can bring it into all those other aspects of our lives. Does anybody have questions about Ahimsa? Feels pretty straightforward, a little bit more straightforward. It's hard to do, though. It really is. It's very hard to do. We, we want to react. Our human nature is to, to act like an animal, right? We want to just react. Okay. So the second one is Satya. And this is talking about non-lying. Um, so approaching our daily actions from a place of truth. So this truthfulness that, that we're talking about in Satya is uh, on the surface level, it's the, the clear non-lying, right? When my child lies to me, did you break that? No, uh, I saw you just break it. Don't lie to mommy, right? So there's those types of instances that are seeming more obvious. And then we have moments that are a little more like white lies that we tell. Right? whether it's to ourselves or to other people. <laughs> it's getting to places where uh, you don't want to get in trouble. So maybe you just like omit certain things, right? Um, so again, I see this a lot with kids. We've got, a, we've got a, a little neighbor friend of ours who comes over and plays with my kiddos and all the time he's, a, he's doing those little white lies to not get in trouble. And I have to call them out on those things. And we do these as adults too, right? Something happens, you're like, well, maybe if I just walk away, nobody else to see, nobody else to address it, right? Um, so these little lies can add up because when we start to put up even little lies, it starts to build this wall. And again, going back to social media, this is another one of those times where we're like, I'm gonna put up this, this front, right, this facade. I'm gonna put all the happy pictures of my kids and me. I'm gonna put all the times that I feel really flexible and I'm this awesome yogi. And I'm gonna put only the pictures where I feel like my stomach doesn't feel like it's you know, pooching out and that my skin looks super clear because I put those filters on. Uh, and those are also little lies that we do. Are they necessary? Probably not. Who's benefiting from them, right? Like. We put these up because we're afraid that other people are going to judge us or that they're going to have thoughts about us. But when we can sit in our own truth, you realize that you, you don't care what other people think. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? If they see a little pot belly, okay, well, I ate something, and that's what happens when you eat something. Your belly goes out. I'm not going to have a perfect body. Why should I pretend 
that I'm a certain way? Why should I put on this facade? So that's also part of this kind of lying uh, that happens throughout our day. Okay, so to give you a, another little nuance on this. All right, there is power in regularly stepping back even further, going even deeper than we normally do. As we wade through the challenges, the opportunities, the joys, and the sorrows of our everyday lives, we must also honor our need to look upon our lives with new eyes. So this to me is getting into that, like the deeper levels of truthfulness. Right? Uh, so right now, what we have going on at the border with kids getting taken, and, and I'm not trying to make this into a political thing, I'm trying to take this into a place of, uh, what I liked what Beto O'Rourke said was when he went to go witness that, he said, we have to own this. It's an ugly part of history that's happening right now, that if we don't look at it and we look at the truth of it, that we're gonna end up starting to put all these other layers to make ourselves feel better and to make other people feel better about the situation. Instead, he says, we need to get down to the truth of it. We need to see it. Because if you don't ever look at it and witness it and really give it a good, hard, truthful look, then there's no way that you can own it. And if you can't own it, then how can you possibly change it? Right? So part of satya is also getting to those deeper levels of truth, to take all those other layers away and go, ooh, man, even when you get to the truth, that is ugly truth. They're ugly parts of ourselves. They're ugly parts of other people. But if you never look at it, then how can you ever address it? How can you ever process it? Right? We're so used to like, let's put the makeup on the pig and make it look nicer, right? Like, was it the lipstick on a pig? It's still a pig. <laughs> so when we, when we get to a place where we're constantly taking these little lies, and they're not necessarily like lies per se, but just those little places where we go, I'm gonna make it look a little bit nicer. I'm gonna make it sound a little softer than what it really is. Satya goes, you gotta take all that stuff off. You gotta get all the way down to the root of it. And you gotta look at it and look at it truthfully. Not look at it and rationalize it, right? To try to make excuses for it, but to look at it and really give it some thought. And say, is this really something that I wanna be or how I wanna be or how I wanna act or behave or think? And if it isn't, when you get to the truth of it and if it's, not something that you're happy with. How can you possibly be at peace with it? Right. So that's where satya is coming from. Anybody have any questions about that? I'm sure all your questions are gonna come like three hours later. And then feel free to email me and I'll give you guys my email and all that good stuff um, as they bubble up. Okay. So our last one, asteya. Asteya is non-stealing. And again, non-stealing seems obvious on the on the surface, right? You don't go into a store and put something in your pocket and walk out. Okay, well that's stealing. Uh, stealing is also maybe you borrowed something from somebody and you forgot to give it back. And then it just sat on your shelf and you're like, well, it's mine now. It didn't hurt anybody per se, probably, right? Unless you borrowed something very expensive. But like, you know, I borrowed somebody's book and I ended up <laughs> taking like a year and a half to read it. And then it sat on my shelf and I was like, is that my book? No, that's not my book. I felt really bad. It was starting to like collect dust and then my kids spilled some water on it. So I bought my friend a new book to replace it. But little moments like that can add up too. Uh, stealing could also come in the form of stealing somebody's time and somebody's energy. Right? You ever have a friend that you'd start dreading hanging out with because 
they suck all the energy out of you, right? It becomes all about them. And then you're just like, oh my gosh. Like, I want to be nice to this person. I really do. And I know that they're going through a hard time. But like, it's draining me. I feel depleted, right? That's a form of stealing that somebody else is doing to you. And sometimes you have to just protect yourself from that and, and set your own boundaries. So there are those moments of stealing that happen in our lives as well. So this... This quote I'm going to read to you, this was one that I had to like chew on for a really long time because the first time I heard it, I was like, I don't get it. So maybe we'll open this up to discussion. All right, it says, when abstention from stealing is firmly established, precious, precious jewels come. So that's the quote in his interpretation is, in other words, the surest way to get what you want is to let go of wanting. Whoa. So the first time I read that quote, I was like, okay, abstention from stealing is firmly established, precious jewels come. You're not talking about precious jewels per se. You're not getting diamonds, right? You're not getting rubies. But then that interpretation, the surest way to get what you want is to let go of wanting. So wanting is part of our natural human behavior, right? Uh, I'm, I'm really bad about taking uh, free swag, especially at like conventions or festivals. My husband gets really mad at me because if they're free sunglasses, I'm like, I'm going to take four because I know I'm going I'm to lose two of them in the next couple months and then one's going to break, but these are free, right? And then all I'm doing is wanting things and wanting things, but then my life is filled with junk, <laughs> literal junk. So to, whatever that metaphor is for you, right, where if you have something that you're wanting and wanting and wanting, all you do is focus on that wanting, do you really get what you wanted? Are you really getting what you need? Probably not. You're probably just filling your life with junk. Or maybe you're filling your life with experiences that are draining your energy, that are stealing from you. Maybe you're filling your life with excess and now you have to deal with the excess, right? And so this yama is so interesting to me because this, and as you come to further workshops, you'll start to see that this also connects with ideas of attachment and putting your focus on desire. And a lot of yogic philosophy is saying, hey, maybe you don't need to be attached to certain things because that's the cause of your suffering, right? If you think about people trying to climb a corporate ladder, and all they have in mind is, I just want to get to the top. That's all I want. I want that title. I want money. I want power. Who cares about everybody else in between? I'm burning bridges. I'm doing, I guess, get to the top. Even if you get to the top, are you happy there? Are you finding peace there? Are you healthy there? Probably not. You probably did some damage right, on the way up. Uh, when that desire and that wanting and that attachment to something is so strong that everything else starts to get into a space where you can't even process it anymore, you don't have anything in the end. Sure, you get title, you get power, you get money, but you're probably pretty unhappy up there. You probably burn some friendships on the way there. You know, people probably aren't happy with you depending on how you approach this, that your desire was so strong that it, everything else didn't matter. So this idea of letting go of this wanting and taking only what you need and not absorbing 
other people's time and energy because you have this such strong attachment to something. That's where the precious jewels come into play. Precious jewels hopefully means peace, happiness, health, right? The things that we, we really need as human beings. So that's really where that's coming from. All right. Any questions about any of those? It's a lot to chew on. This is very heady. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much for listening to the Finding Drishti podcast. This was the first week of a four-week workshop series, so I'm excited to get the other three weeks up online for you guys to hear. In the meantime, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on social media. I'm at Finding Drishti, F-I-N-D-I-N-G-D-R-I-S-H-T-I, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also reach out to me at findingdrishti at gmail.com. Have a good one.